0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome back to the What We Said podcast, you guys. Happy Tuesday. Happy... Twilight zone day. <laughs> yeah. Where are we? What time of year is it? What are we supposed to be doing? Are we supposed to be being productive? Are we supposed to be relaxing, Relaxing? still enjoying the holidays? It's that time of year where you don't know what's going on. Are you supposed um, to be working out now every day? Or are you supposed to be still in, you know, holiday sloth mode? Exactly. It's always an interesting time of the year, but we hope you guys had an amazing Christmas, Hanukkah, holiday season, whatever you celebrate. Hope that it was a magical time of year for you guys. And we're excited for the new year. 2022 is going to be great. We have some fun episodes coming up. So it's going to be great. We decided to do a little true crime sort of episode. True Christmas crime, as Leif says. Exactly. Um, We haven't done something like this in a long time. Mm -hmm. We rarely talk about true crime on our podcast, actually. And personally, I haven't been consuming any True crime content for a very long time now. Like, I'd say probably two years, but I don't really, like, I haven't watched a murder documentary or anything like that. But this, I have to say, prepping for this episode, (laughs) I was wanting
0: to get back into it. I know. Once you, it's one good case and then you're just done for. You're hooked. Yeah. I was gonna say, I actually have been listening to so much true crime lately. I told you about that podcast, Murder with My Husband, super Mm -hmm. good. And I was like, my favorite murder. And once I listened to Murder with My Husband, like one good story. It was like, I'm done. I'm just listening to all of them. Then I want to find more true crime. And then I'm like watching documentaries. I'm like, oh gosh. And there's
1: just an endless amount of that content. So I feel like you just... And the reason that I stopped listening to it forever ago, I've said this a million times, is just because I started getting so... I mean, I guess I still am, honestly. But just more and more paranoid. Like if I was at the grocery store, I was... Just more and more terrified to be alone because mm-hmm. I'm like, someone is trying to murder me. But when I'm not listening to those podcasts or watching those documentaries, it doesn't... It's, it's not n- on your mind It's as not much. on my mind and I'm not as like terrified. For sure. So anywho, first and foremost, at this point, it's a little, you know, maybe old outdated news. old news. But we need to talk about the fact yeah. that we had our <laughs> very own crime case. Yes. Right here in Orange County. And it was the stolen car of Chelsea yeah. and Nick.
0: It was of <laughs> Chelsea and Nick. That sounded like a real true crime intro. Good job. Thank you. This was the, one of the craziest things that's for sure ever happened to me. And I think it's so ironic that the se- we moved out of LA and we were like, okay, crime's kind of getting bad. Like, we want to be in a safer area. So we moved to Orange. Not just for that, but one of the reasons yeah. was like we wanted to be in a safer area. And then literally a month later, this happens, this happens, but pretty much our car got stolen, which is just shocking because I didn't know that that really happens. Like I knew that people stole things out of your car. I knew maybe like your car could get stolen if you left it on, you know, left the keys in it and whatever. Yeah. Or if you had a really nice car, I don't know. But even then I just never hear about cars getting stolen. So Again, we live in a pretty safe neighborhood. Like, I'm never really worried about it. But I also am kind of, uh, I don't know. I can't think of a word that's like now not considered offensive (laughs) about like, I'm kind of a psycho about like locking my door, my car doors. Yeah. And so, again, like every time we leave the car, I'm like, did you lock the car door if like we leave with Nick? He's like, yes, I locked the car door. He's very good at as well. But anyways, we parked our car. Like, we got a Christmas tree with JC and Leif like the night before Mm -hmm. this. The creepiest thing is, is that I took like a photo in front of our car with the Christmas tree on top. I actually took some photos of just the car with the Christmas tree <laughs> on top. Like the one time you've had a photo shoot with your car? Yes, literally. But we parked the car in our designated parking spot and went inside, fell asleep, woke up, and our car was gone. And we're like, okay. And you had the Christmas tree at this point inside though. Yes. No, the car Christmas tree was inside. It, we secured the bag. It was already <laughs> decorated <laughs> inside. We had actually a great night the night before. Yeah. And we woke up, the car was gone out of the parking spot. So we're just like, okay, what? Like maybe got towed. I could not believe my eyes. I kept asking Nick. I'm like, you for sure parked it last night, right? And he was like- What a weird feeling. Yeah. He was like, yeah, for sure. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it got towed. So we called the towing company, but also like, why would they tow it out of our designated parking spot? It just didn't make any sense. And they're like, nope, we haven't seen anything. And so we were just like, Nick kind of knew from the beginning, he's like, our car got stolen. And I'm like, because it's gone. And it's like,
1: what other explanation? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Nowhere to be found. We like jogged around the neighborhood, like looking for it. (laughs) Like maybe somebody took it. And sure enough, checked all the towing companies, called the cops and no sign of it. And so the cop, we had like an officer come over and he was like asking us questions about it. The officer was very like weirdly optimistic when we talked to him. And he was like, yeah, when we find it, like we usually know who does this. Like, and me and Nick were like, okay, like, I was kind of at this point, like we're never seeing this car again. Yeah, saying goodbye to the car. Yeah. I was like literally looking up old pictures of the car, like so sad. And also the saddest part really to me was that we had just installed like our new baby car seat like two days before. We were so excited. We're like, let's just put it in there. Like we like spent time and installed the base, installed the whatever. And so that was gone obviously as well. And I'm just like, literally, who steals a car with a baby car seat in it? That's so mean. I hope they saw that in the rearview mirror as they were driving away. And we're like, oh, yeah, I feel kind of bad. But, anyways, so the day went on. I was just like, just sad all day. I'm like, ew, I feel so gross that someone was outside somehow got into our car because the doors were locked somehow without the keys because we had the keys. Took the car, drove it off somewhere. So we had to, like, file a claim, you know, file a police report, all that fun stuff. And then just kind of wait around and see, like, what what do you do when your car's stolen? Yeah, just, just wait rent until a car, you see an update. Like, you know, wait for your insurance company. But the next morning we woke up, and I was so sad that night. Like, I was like, dang, this really sucks that our car's gone. And everyone was very worried about me going into labor. Like, what are you going to—how are you going to get to the hospital? I'm like, well, usually I don't think it takes—it's not that fast that you— you yeah, know, need to get to the hospital right away. It's It'd not like in the movies. Yeah, rare. Also, JC lives three seconds away. Yeah. Uber exists. Like, yeah. Anyways, so we wake up the next morning. I'm in the shower and I get out and there's like a voicemail from the sheriff's department. They're like, we got your car. And I'm like, oh, I'm so incredibly sorry. Like, you already found it 24 hours later. So sure enough, they found it. I guess it was like parked at a gambling house. He said in a not good area. In, like, this kind of sketchy place, they, they arrested a guy who was either sitting in it or, like, was with the car and, like, had it towed to an auto body shop. We picked it up yesterday. And pros, nothing was damaged. Like, the car still ran, it was still operable. It wasn't like they stripped it for parts, which yes. was a fear for sure. Oh, for sure. And Nick was like, if they're smart, they'll strip it for parts and, like, you know, take off to another country. I'm like, cool making me so stressed also so sad like anyways that's when I realized maybe I do have an emotional attachment to like inanimate <laughs> objects because I was like feeling sad about the like the actual car being gone I just love I just love her my yeah. Subaru anyways so we go to pick up the car and they had already told us the car seat was taken out of it and I had been searching like Facebook marketplace offer up because I'm like I'm sure they're just gonna sell it or something Like, what are they gonna do with it yeah And sure enough, everything was taken out. They cleared out our glove department, which was so weird to me. Like the manual, like the car manual and everything. You know, all the weird stuff that are just like all those documents. They cleared out our middle console, which just had like trash and like... You're like, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, literally. I'm like, cool, honestly. Probably wouldn't have gotten rid of that on my (laughs) own. So took my sunglasses out, took our... We had like tennis rackets. We had all of our pickleball stuff in there. They took one of my Stanley cups, which was very sad. But then they left the other one. I'm like, I'm not ever touching this again. No. There was white powder (laughs) on the ground of the driver's seat. Awesome. And we opened it up because this is the first time we're seeing the car. And it's like actually in pretty good condition on the outside. And Nick opens up the car. He like reaches down to grab something. It's like this little tube of something. And he grabs with his bare hands. And me and the guy that were helping were like, put some gloves on. Like we're going to clean this car out first. Like take everything out and drive home with gloves on and like wipe everything down. Because there was, like, a little bit of white powder. It wasn't, like, someone legitimately, like, dumped a freaking yeah. pound of cocaine on the ground. But there was cigarette butts in, like, the cup holders It smelled like cigarette smoke. Oh, uh,
1: that's so...
0: Like, the worst. That's so frustrating. It's yeah. such a nightmare. It's, like, why... It's so gross to know, it's, like, these people are sitting in our cars, like, smoking and doing drugs. Yeah. And there's also, like, lacy thongs yes. and stuff. And it's, like, what were people doing in this freaking car? No, so I think the police might have thought that that was our stuff. Because people are like, why didn't the police take that? But the police had taken tools out of the back. So I guess they were, the reason they arrested the guy is because he had apparently, allegedly (laughs) taken it from the guy who actually stole it. He accepted a stolen vehicle Mm. and he was stealing like mufflers or something like that. He was, anyway, so they took tools out that they're like, oh, this guy was using using them
1: to do something.
0: Yeah, but there was like a container of clothes and like costumes. It was like Party City in the back. Like, oh. It's like a fedora. We use them for what we said shoe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like people like, you should keep the boots. I'm like, I'm so incredibly sorry. <laughs> Literally, there was like a bra, like underwear, bikini. And. No, that is so violating. No, disgust. I'm like, we are not touching the back seat. I don't want to no. know what happened back there. No. Because it seems like someone just used this as like, I don't know, their joy ride. So. It was so crazy. It we're so I'm so grateful that they found it. Like shout out to the Orange County Police Department because they found that very quick. The the officer when he was talking to us was originally like first of all, we were having the worst morning. I missed my freaking prenatal massage because I didn't have a car and I had to like call and I still had to pay for it. (laughs) And Didn't that happen to you last time too? Yes. (laughs) Bye. I was so excited to get the massage. (laughs) Just like the irony of like going to have a relaxing (laughs) day. We woke up to my car being stolen with my baby car seat in there. But anyways, so he, when he was talking to us, he was like, I'm in tears. (laughs) He's like, Honestly, he's like stolen cars like candy to police officers. Like, we love looking for them. I'm like, I'm so glad we made your day Yeah, I'm glad you're having a fun day. But they did do a good job,
1: so. Also, we were saying you wouldn't have wanted the car seat anyway. No. At this point, it's like, who knows what was done in the car? You don't want to put your newborn baby in it.
0: Especially if it smelled like smoke. No. There's just no way. So, the lesson we learned, first of all, is get comprehensive car insurance if you don't have that. People are like, it's illegal to not have car insurance. I'm like, well, no, we had car insurance. Yeah. There's a difference between comprehensive and just like basic car insurance. Obviously with insurance, you can get a bunch of different like levels, Mm -hmm. but comprehensive is like total loss or like theft basically. And Nick was like, the morning that we, the car was gone, we were just like, we're so dumb. Like we're those people that we got it, we got our car insurance and we're like, What are the odds our car is going to get stolen? Right. Like just
1: completely stolen. Well, you're not dumb for thinking that. I think that's how 95% of people think.
0: Yeah. So I I think the same way. I'm like, but we need that. Yeah. But we had, I had a couple insurance agents like reach out to me and they're like, I try and tell everybody, like, just get comprehensive car insurance for the peace of mind. Yeah. (laughs) And in case, because otherwise you're screwed. Because if we did have it, they would have maybe given us like money to buy a new car, but we Mm. didn't have that. So we would have had nothing. We would awesome. have to just buy a new car, which is
1: awesome sauce, <laughs> especially in this market. <laughs> yeah. With a new baby on the way in yeah. one week. Yeah. yeah. That is absolutely crazy. I'm so happy they found it. I, I got a text. I wanted to read the text that I got from you. I, I, <laughs> it was like pretty
0: early in the morning. And I literally, just get this it's so text. funny. I kept you so updated. Like literally yes. we would be in the car. We'd just find out a huge update and I'd, and I'd be on the phone with you already and Nick looks over. He's like, we haven't even like told like, any, like our insurance company yet. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I was on the
1: case. Yeah. I was, I was um, driving around looking for a white Subaru around Orange <laughs> County. Seriously, we were in the car and like no, literally like, there's a Subaru. We're just searching, but we're like, like he's not gonna be like
0: yeah. <laughs> at Target. Yeah, at Target with it. Well, apparently he might have been
1: buying a Fedora. So I got a text from you at 8:54 a.m. I think our car got stolen last night with a smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, at that point I didn't know yet. And then he said, it's gone. <laughs> My response, um, with a bunch of question marks. It's yeah, gone. With a smiley face. I'm so confused. We have the keys. Anyway. Yeah, literally we live updates.
0: Anywho. Well, very glad you found it. Very glad yeah. it all worked out. It was funny because when we picked it up and we were going through the stuff, I because I've been listening to so much true crime and, and we were prepping for this episode, I'm mm-hmm. like in full Nancy Drew detective mode. Like I'm looking through the stuff with the gloves. I'm like, wait, do they need this as evidence? Like, do they need to take prints? Like all stuff. And Nick's like, I'm sure the police have handled it. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't need to be into it. but I'm, like, just I'm like, on the case. But I'm just so curious. I'm like, I'm up all night, like researching, like all this stuff, which again, it was... A short lived crime, but it's a, crime a wild, wild
1: story. When my nails are done and I have a fresh manicure everything feels right in my world. I just feel like my life is together and everything's going to be fine. You know what I'm saying? So that is why we absolutely love our sponsor Olive and June. You guys, this is the cutest company. Not only is it like the cutest aesthetic I've ever seen, it's also just really great products. So Olive and June nail polishes last seven plus days and do not chip. With Olive and June's Manny System, you can achieve beautiful salon perfect nails at an affordable price. Olive and June's Manny System is the ultimate secret behind salon perfect nails at home all in one, no guessing no messy nails, no salon price tag. If you're trying to get your nails done all the time, it can get very, very pricey. I do feel like this is an amazing option. So their manicure system has all the tools you're going to need in one box. Like I said, it's also very aesthetically pleasing and very well done. The packaging is amazing and the products are so great. So it comes with this thing called the Poppy, which is a patented brush handle that makes it super easy to paint with both of your hands. Because if you are, you know, right hand dominant or vice versa, doing your other hand and painting your nails can be really hard. So the poppy makes it super easy. This thing is genius. It's a game changer because it's going to help your nails look professionally done, but you get to do them at home. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I do my own nails, it looks like they're painted by a five-year-old. So this is really going to solve that problem for you. So if you get the Olive and June Manny System with six polishes, it breaks down to just $2 a manicure. And if you, again, go and get your nails done, you know that it can cost like 35 50 even more for one manicure. So this is amazing. The polish, honestly, sometimes even can look like gel because it's very shiny. It doesn't chip. It lasts, like I said, and it's just an amazing option. I also feel like, you know, doing your nails at home can be a fun little self-care moment. Like light a candle, put on your favorite rom-com, and do your nails with the Olive and June Manny System. You guys will love it. So getting beautiful salon perfect nails at home is now a dream come true with Olive and June. Your new nail life is here. Visit oliveandjune.com slash said and use code said for 20% off your first Manny System. This is an exclusive offer you can only get here. That is O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U. N-E dot com slash what we said. Code what we said for 20% off your first Manny system. Olive and dot com slash what we said.
0: Code what we said. I just got an amazing package in the mail. And guess where it was from? Where? The Flip Beauty app. It came so fast, first of all, which... Has not been the case for a lot of packages I've had, I've been waiting for this season. But I got my package from the Flip Beauty app. I ordered a couple things and I got like this rechargeable candle lighter. Is that what they call Mm it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. A candle wick trimmer. I got some new dry shampoo to try out. And it was so easy. The process was super easy. So we're very excited because Flip Beauty app is one of our sponsors. On the Flip Beauty app, you can shop beauty and skincare products in the most fun and informative way possible. So imagine if TikTok and Amazon had a baby, it would be Flip. You can watch video reviews and shop all your favorite beauty and skincare brands from one app. And also, like I said, they do have like home and body products as well. You can place your order and you can get it the next day. Flip carries brands like Supergoop, Youth to the People, Hourglass, Jason Wu, and so many more for all the best prices possible. So it's a place to hear
1: honest reviews, the good and the bad, which I think is very unique. You can scroll through real customer video reviews about products they've shopped on the Flip app. You can literally see them. Like Chelsea said, it's kind of like TikTok and Amazon. It's like TikTok in the way where you can see real people putting on the product, which is so nice before you want to buy something. They also have the best rewards program out there. You can watch video reviews and earn cash rewards towards your purchase in addition to the best price guarantee. Enjoy free shipping and returns. Flip provides same-day shipping, and to make a return, you just stick the provided label on the box and schedule a pickup on the Flip app, or you can drop it off at any UPS store. So use the code we said for 30% off towards your first purchase plus free shipping. Download Flip Beauty Shopping app in the App Store and Google Play today. Search for Flip Beauty Shopping App. And again, the code is We said for 30% off. Thanks for going through that so we could have podcast content. Exactly. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh. Was that you or me? I didn't know.
1: That was me. Literally a frog. I don't know what happened. (laughs) Well, should I start? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So we wanted to each pick a true crime story Mm -hmm. and kind of like research it a bit and talk about it. Tell the other person. So each of us like, we haven't heard each other's stories yeah. at all and we're not familiar with them. So I think it'll be fun.
0: Like, I think um, we've both heard about these cases, but
1: not in detail at all. No. Yeah. So um, I'm I very excited. the case of Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell, which the reason I thought this was pertinent is because number one, they grew up Mormon mm-hmm. and they still were until they kind of became like very extreme, had like these very extreme beliefs. Mm-hmm. And also, Lori is from Arizona and Chad is from, like, they lived in Utah, lived in Idaho. Like, it's mm-hmm. just very, you know,
0: I think Close at knit. one point, yeah,
1: she was in Chandler, Arizona. It's like where she was from or where she lived. Oh, so wow. anyway, this is a crazy story. It happened also. The reason I wanted to talk about it is because it happened very recently, like, and it's still kind of ongoing. Mm-hmm. So as it stands right now, they're still like awaiting trial and certain stuff like that. So okay. anyway... It kind of all started in like 2019. I did want to cite a few sources. I got most of this information from East Idaho News and CBS News. But yeah, I guess I'll just kind of jump into it. So Chad Daybell, he was born in Provo, Utah in in 1968. And he had two near-death experiences like growing up. So one at 17 and the other one in his early 20s that he said like showed him glimpses into the spirit world as well as he had visions of what could happen here on earth. That's what he claims. So he was very much into like this belief of like the other side of the veil and everything. So he wrote of himself, this is what he said, this accident caused his veil that separates mortal life from the spirit world to stay partially open. So he often feels he has a foot in both worlds. Okay. Um, so those experiences kind of became the foundation of his book, which was living on the edge of heaven. And he he went on to write, I don't know if this was his first book or what, but he was a self-published author and he wrote multiple books. And he began to speak at conferences and on podcasts about what he had seen and been told in the spirit world. And he wrote more than two dozen books about near death and doomsday events. Mm-hmm. So he, we'll kind of get into it later, but he kind of became essentially like a cult leader at one point, like, and, and people say that the word cult is sometimes overused, but basically it's like very extreme religious beliefs that definitely were not beliefs of like, you know, yeah. Mormonism. It completely- I was going to ask,
0: is he like, would people consider him an LDS author kind of thing where it's like- I think they it started that out- Deseret book kind of thing?
1: I'm not sure about that, actually. I think it started off as he was like an LDS guy and maybe an LDS author. And then it kind of just went like doomsday mode, Mm -hmm. really kind of out there stuff where it it no longer was that. So Chad married his wife, Tammy, in 1990. They were members of the church. They got married in the Manti Temple in Utah. They had five kids together and they ended up moving to Rexburg, Idaho
0: know it we're well. Hi- we're
1: hitting all the spots. Yeah,
0: we're hitting
1: all the spots. Um, So he got more and more into discussing all this stuff, like past lives and doomsday, all that stuff with other people that he met. And while he was speaking at a conference in St. George, Utah, he met a married mother of three from Arizona, who's Lori Vallow. Okay. So he's still married. Yes. Okay. And Lori is also married. Like awesome sauce. So Lori's friend, Melanie said that during the first meeting Chad informed Lori that they had been married to each other in past lives and Ew. they became like really close the friend said so lori had one special phone this is like i don't know how we get from point a to point b necessarily but lori ends up having a special phone that her and chad would communicate with only so and Terrifying. he and he had a special phone outside of his cell phone number that was just for their personal communication and they're communication. still married to they're, their respective they're both married. partners They're both completely married. They both have kids and they have these secret phones that they only like contact each other with. And they spent a lot of time talking about their spiritual beliefs. And those beliefs included that Chad and Lori had a special role to play in the end of the world. So they became like very, very extremists. Like, like we're supposed to be together. Like we were together in a past life. We have this like special role to play. Like the end of the world is coming and mm. they just became like very into these
0: beliefs. So, was both, it like romantic? Yes, for point? sure. Okay. I think I think I was so. Gonna say, if they're if they're hide, having to hide it,
1: yes, because both of them believed that their spouses. So Lori is married to Charles. Okay, Charles Vallow. Charles and Tammy. No. Well, oh yeah, yeah. Those are the <laughs> yeah. yes. They're like Charles and Tammy are not married. <laughs> no. So um yeah, Chad is married to Tammy. Mm-hmm. Lori is married to Charles. They both believed that their spouses, Charles and Tammy, would die in car accidents and that that would allow them to be together. Um, So, okay, we're moving on. So Lori is married to Charles, like I mentioned, and this is her fourth husband, by the way. Okay. And they have two kids. So Tylee, who is a girl, she's 16, and JJ who's a boy, and he's seven. Okay. And Tylee is actually from a previous marriage of Lori's, and they adopted JJ, I think, together. So neither of these kids, they're not their kids together. Yeah. But they're raising them. So Charles, within a year of marriage to Lori, let's remember, she's been married four times. Mm-hmm. He files for divorce from her in February because he was like very freaked out by these like new beliefs she was having and they just like didn't see things the same way. He said she viewed herself as a God preparing for like the second coming of Christ. And he just, he was literally scared that she would kill him if like <gasps> he got in her way to perform her mission. So he was just Ugh. like very freaked out by all of it. So he filed for divorce in February, but then um, the divorce proceedings were stopped and he said he actually wanted to make the marriage work. So he filed okay. for divorce and I was like, never mind. So, in July, so that's like five months later, Mm -hmm. Lori's brother, Alex, shoots and kills Charles. And he— Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. And that just comes out of left field. I don't really know— Lori's brother shoots Charles. Yeah, shoots him. And he said that it was in self-defense. It was like in their home. And I don't exactly know all the details of that, but he wasn't charged in the incident because he was like, it was self-defense and he's her brother. So after Charles's death, Lori moves to Rexburg to be closer to Chad. Oh, so he actually died from the shooting. Yes, he died. Oh my gosh. Sorry, I didn't mention that. Oh yeah, shoots and kills him. So after he dies, Lori moves to Rexburg with her kids, Tylee and JJ, so she can be closer to Chad, who let's remember is still married. Oh my gosh. Okay. So... On September 8th, that's very shortly after, like literally probably two weeks after she moves there with her kids, Chad Daybell signs an application with Tammy to increase her life insurance
0: to the
1: maximum amount allowed on the policy. Then one month, almost one month exactly later, Tammy Daybell calls 911 and says that a masked man shot at her in her driveway. Um, with a paintball gun and she posts about the experience on Facebook saying like she doesn't know who this person was or why they would shoot at her but court documents later indicate that it's Alex again Alex who's Lori's brother um, attempting to shoot and kill her that day okay Alex so then so that's on October 9th Mm -hmm. October 19th so 10 days after this incident at the garage where she gets like shot at and she's like excuse me Chad calls 911 saying that Tammy died in her sleep in their home um, Um. in in Rexburg. While Tammy's death was ruled to be from natural causes, her body was exhumed and the results of an autopsy are still pending, according to authorities. Tammy's death remains under investigation. Oh, geez, So she dies, basically. Yeah, I'm sure not of natural causes. Under natural causes, quote unquote. Within literally two weeks of Tammy dying, Chad and Lori are already married. Oh. They're married in Hawaii on the beach. So, and everyone is shook. Like um, his, yeah. his family, his friends, like everyone's like, she died two weeks ago. Oh my gosh. It's not like it was a year later. Wait, they have kids, right? They have five kids. They have five kids together. Oh my god! And he marries this new girl and she has the two kids as well. So they're married on the beach in Hawaii on November 5th, which is seriously like two, two and a half weeks later. Oh my later. gosh. Then they return to Rexburg after they get married And over the coming weeks, police say that Chad told witnesses and, like, different people that Lori had no minor children. He's telling people, like, oh, yeah, she doesn't have...
0: Like, little kids. Kids, little kids, yeah.
1: And um, police also say that Lori was telling people that Tylee, her daughter, died um, years earlier. Uh, 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 uh. So, what? So, like, a few weeks after they get home from being married... On November twenty-sixth, the Rexburg Police Department conducts like a welfare check for JJ Mm -hmm. because it's at the request of the grandparents because they're like, we haven't seen the kids in a long time. Like, we don't know where JJ is. And they hadn't spoken with him in months, which was like odd. Police do not see JJ at the townhome, at the at their home. Yeah. And Lori tells the police that JJ's with her friend Melanie, who we talked about at the beginning a little bit. She was she kind of knew of Chad and her relationship. Anyway, so they're like, okay. So they go to Melanie and they're like, okay. And they determine within days that she he is not with her. Oh, no. So the next morning, the Rexburg Police Department uh, serves a search warrant. And when police arrive, they discover that they've left very quickly. Like Chad and Lori are gone. And on December 1st, so a few days later, um, Chad and Lori catch an American Airlines flight to Hawaii again, to the island of Kauai. And their children are not with them. Oh, my gosh. So then... A de- um, None dis- of their children?
0: Because they have seven children at this point,
1: correct? I, I um, It's just her kids that are... I think that his kids maybe are, like, older and not... It's okay. not really in the picture in this story. So on December 6th, which is five days after they, like, catch the flight to Hawaii, and, and the police had, like, gone to Melanie and is like, where's JJ? And she's like, I don't have him. So on December 6th, Melanie then contacts the police department... And she basically admits that like on November 26th, like a few weeks ago, she was like, yeah, they asked me to lie about the location of JJ. Oh my gosh. So they're like, okay, something's fishy. Like, where
0: are the kids? Where's Tylee? Where's JJ? And why are they lying about it? So at this point, how long has it been since they've heard from the kids or seen the kids? So... are since they got married? I'm not
1: sure exactly about JJ, but September 8th was actually the last time that anyone saw Tylee.
0: Oh my god! So
1: that was months prior. How, was, how old are they? So she's sixteen,
0: and then oh. JJ's seven.
1: And and when they are doing the investigation, they realize that the last record they have of her is in September eighth, when. Tylie, JJ, mm-hmm. the two kids, Lori, and her brother, Alex, visited Yellowstone National Park. Oh, That's the last time gosh. they See saw them? her, anyone saw her. But I think they'd still, someone had still seen JJ. Okay. A little bit after that. But basically, by the time they're being married in Hawaii, like, no they, one has seen oh Tylie for months gosh. already. So it's like, what's happening? So... As deputies investigate, the sheriff's office determines that Tammy Daybell's death is suspicious. Oh, no. And her body is exhumed on December 11th, perform an autopsy. Again, the autopsy is not released. On December 12th, so this is like 10 days after they book it to Hawaii because they're kind of trying to like get out of town. Yeah. Alex, Lori's brother, dies under mysterious circumstances in Gilbert, Arizona. And his autopsy later reveals that he died of a blood clot. What? Then on December 20th, which is a week after that, the Rexburg Police Department announces that JJ and Tyler are missing. Because it's like, okay, yeah. we cannot find them anywhere. And police say their disappearance is possibly linked to the suspicious death of Tammy Daybell. Mm-hmm. The following day, police call Chad and Lori persons of interest. And then a month later... And they're still chilling in Hawaii. On January 25th, the Kauai police department serves Lori with a notice stating she must produce JJ and Tylee to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare or the Rexburg Police Department within five days so they're like okay you have to show you have to give us your children within five days and she does not do that she's unable to do that so they're living in Kauai at this point when Lori was arrested on February 20th and charged with two counts of felony desertion of a child and the disappearance of JJ and Tylee, as well as misdemeanor charges of resisting and obstructing an officer, blah, blah, blah. Police have said there is no evidence that JJ and Tylee were ever in Hawaii with Chad yeah. and Lori. The couple had also told Chad's parents that Lori was an empty nester.
0: Oh my gosh. First of all, get your story straight.
1: Yeah. And she's a mother of three. Yeah, she also has a uh, another child like an older as well, kid. like an older one. Yeah, that um, is horrible. Yeah. So, also, there's a video of them when they're in Hawaii, and it's so haunting because this was not that long ago. First yeah. of all, it was like literally last year, and there is a reporter like following <clears> them and being like, "Where are your kids? Where are your children? Like, why won't you answer?" And like really hitting them with hard. So questions. was it already
0: news? like it was already getting to become big news, like as they were looking for the kids before she didn't even like, she wasn't able to
1: produce them. I think, yeah. I was like, oh, these kids are missing. Like, where are Mm -hmm. they? And then it was like, just kept going and going. And then everyone's like, okay, you're fishy because she's in Hawaii just living her life while her kids are all missing and she won't answer any questions. And it's so just like weird because you're looking at them and like, they just look like such normal. Like to me, they just look like someone who would be in my ward. Yeah. And that's like the creepiest part because it's just, and they they won't answer like any questions. And so they're just silent as this reporter is following them being like, where are your kids? Like, why won't you answer? Blah, blah, blah. Then she, she says one thing and it's, I forget what he said, but he's like, people are out here like praying for your kids. And she's like, that's great. And they're like, Okay, Uh, you are very odd. No,
0: no, 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 Just the vibes are
1: off. This is them. I just want to show you.
0: (gasps) Ew, yeah. They do look like scarily normal. Yeah, which is just the
1: creepiest vibe. Like, that's her weird vibes. This is them walking through Hawaii. Like, these are the, this is the video. Ew. Of them walking through. Okay, no. So, unable to produce the kids. um, They don't, you know have any evidence that they were ever in Hawaii. They've been missing for months. They've been missing for months. Everyone's like, where are these kids and what did you do to them? So, around 7 a.m. on June 9th, which is a few months later, the Rexburg Police Department, FBI, Sheriff's Office serve a search warrant at Chad's home. And within hours... They uncover unidentified human remains <gasps> and Aww. bring in, like, this thing to dig deeper in, in the yard. and like days, an excavator? Yeah, and days later, they confirm that the remains are J.J. <gasps> and Tylee. Oh, at their own house? Yes, in his oh, backyard.
0: that's so sad.
1: And they say that Tylee's body was burned and dismembered and that J.J.'s body was wrapped tightly in black plastic secured with duct tape. Oh, wow. And they said that one of the bodies was found next to a fire pit where cats and dogs had also been buried. Oh. So there was also some weird thing, and I don't want to get this fact wrong, but there was something about how Chad had told, like, someone, like, oh, I just buried a raccoon out back, and there was never a raccoon, aka he had just buried one of the bodies, and he didn't want them to, like—he was like, oh, don't—something, because I just buried a raccoon— And they never found a raccoon. Oh Oh my gosh. So that same day. That's sick. Yeah. Chad is taken into custody and like just moments after they find the remains. Yeah. And he's booked into jail on two felony charges, blah, blah, blah. Lori and her husband, Chad Daybell, are charged with multiple crimes, including conspiracy to commit murder, first degree murder. The charges are in relation to the deaths of seven-year-old Joshua JJ, and 16-year-old Tylee, two of Lori's kids, and then Chad's first wife, Tammy Daybell. Yeah. So Chad's trial is expected to take place next year. So it's still like ongoing. And then Lori is still like not fit mentally, apparently, to participate in her own court proceedings. So every time they start to like, every time they want to have a trial or they want to set something up, basically a mental health professional is like, she is not okay. Like she's not even able to. Mm-hmm. Um, so the judge made the decision to extend her time in a state mental hospital yeah by at least 180 days and she was committed to the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare on June 8th after a mental health professional said she was not competent so um, yeah she's obviously sick in the head yeah so she I don't know what's going on with her his trial is happening next year and that's that and oh it's still oh my gosh still, that's so
0: sad I know
1: it's still very much like Well, a lot of the um, things I've read say that they believed or Chad had like told Lori and really like burnt it in her head that they needed to kill them because of the end of the world was coming and like that they were zombies and like just all of this like very out there stuff yeah, about how they were doing the right thing by doing that and that, you know, they had this special mission here on earth and part of that was to kill her kids. And
0: yeah, sh- I'm sure that's yeah. what God was telling you yeah, to do. Exactly. So ew, uh, that's so sad. That so sad. Because usually you hear about you know family murders, but the, it's always like a suicide, like a murder suicide. Like it's always like you know the dad kills the whole family, but then he kills himself or something like that. It's like very rare that the parents just like kill their kids and then just keep living their life. Yeah, and just go
1: to Hawaii. That is like sick. how are you still no? You just are living.
0: You are sick.
1: Very sick. Anyway, please tell me his
0: books are like not available anymore. I don't know gosh that's horrible
1: yeah and I guess he was kind of like a big not a big author but like people loved his like doomsday books and then Mm. this whole thing comes out he's literally a murderer and everyone's like okay ew
0: and they probably murdered her brother as well yeah that's like the weird
1: mystery is like where does her brother fit into it why is he in on it yeah why is he in on it
0: why did they kill but it's obviously not like just him because she was doing sketch stuff before like I mean, obviously when they started talking, I'm sure he was manipulative, but it's like her, she got her brother involved. Her husband was shot out of self.
1: What? Right. All of it is it's just so like, no. Interesting. But it, it's like, it didn't really start until she met Chad. That's, yeah. that's the common yeah. denominator. Like, I mean, who knows? I don't know what she was into before, but it seems like,
0: I don't know. Ew. The Like
1: all the beliefs that they had and the weird stuff they were into kind of started making yeah. everything. Well, it seems like everything. she's not okay. Yeah. So the holidays, it can be a very hectic time. And I feel like cooking from home just gets so complicated. You want to make nice, healthy meals, but you know, it's hard to find time to go to the grocery store, prep it all, find recipes, all of that. So HelloFresh really solves all of those problems. You guys have probably heard us talk about Green Chef and HelloFresh. So Green Chef is actually owned by HelloFresh now. So you can switch between the brands. Um, I've used both. I love both. They are both Great, great, great. So, HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. Ingredients travel from the farm to your door within a week, so you get the convenience without skimping on the quality. And you get to skip trips to the grocery store and avoid the long lines, which is my personal favorite part. The meals are ready in around 30 minutes or less. Plus, with their quick and easy meals, which are 20 minute recipes, or low prep and easy cleanup options, you can get food on the table quicker so you can spend more time with your loved ones. They have some really amazing recipes. They have like balsamic and fig beef tenderloin, pecan crusted salmon, or they have cozy comfort food choices like chicken sausage and sweet potato soup for maybe a cold winter night. They also have some little entertaining options like they have a holiday cheese and charcuterie board, skinny dips, dark chocolate, peppermint almonds, they've really got you covered. And let me tell you, I have never messed up one of these meals. Like, I feel like they're kind of foolproof. They give you all the instructions. All the prep work is pretty much done for you. Fresh ingredients, like really, it's just everything. So you also save on average over $65 per month when you order HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. And now you have more money to spend on presents and activities, which we love. I am of the belief that time is money, so I love this because I genuinely feel like it saves me so much time. And like I said, the recipes are just delicious. So go to HelloFresh.com slash WhatWeSaid14 and use code WhatWeSaid14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash WhatWeSaid14 and use code WhatWeSaid14 for up to 14 free meals and three free gifts. Check it out. And HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. If you ever get bloated, which I feel like is most people, you need to listen up, okay? Array. This brand is amazing. They have these bloat capsules that are really incredible. They help optimize your digestion, basically. So whether you've had like a heavier meal like pizza or pasta or a dessert that like doesn't sit well with you, or even if you had a plant-based meal and you're just feeling a little bit bloated... It optimizes digestion with the use of five herbs and a fruit-based digestive enzyme, and it's completely laxative-free, which is really incredible. The ingredients on it are awesome. I actually asked my acupuncturist about them. Um, I was like, what do you think about this brand? Because she's very into like clean stuff. And she was she looked at the ingredients. She's like, the ingredients look awesome. Wow. So Array was created to help women feel the best th- so they can be their best through targeted products, which are 100% natural, filler-free, organic, and formulated by a naturopathic doctor. And Array's products work in
0: under an hour. So you actually feel the results. I think the fact that they are laxative free is actually a huge plus because sometimes when you're bloated and, you know, maybe you do take some kind of like laxative or something to get it going, it's actually just doubly worse yeah, (laughs) because you're also running to the bathroom. So Array solves all the annoying problems that we talk to our girlfriends about and their bloat capsules are very versatile. These bloat capsules were designed to give people food freedom so you can finally enjoy all of the foods that you love without any discomfort, gas, or bloating afterwards. Plus Array's products are super chic so they look great in your purse or on your beauty shelf. Go to Array.com and use the code what we said at checkout for 10% off a one-time purchase or 25% off your first month on a subscription. That's Array.com Use the code WhatWeSet at checkout And you can get 10% off a one-time purchase Or 25% off Your first month On a subscription Go check it out now Okay This is my case So this is Also Has to do with children As well But I don't want to spoil that ending So I'm not going to get into it Okay But this is the Turpin family case So They just came out With a documentary On 2020 On Hulu You can watch it That's where I watched it That's where I get a lot of my Info. Info from, I also got a lot of my info from um, the sun.com news. They had an article on it called The Turban Family, like in Paris, California. And that's where this takes place, is in Paris, California, um, which is like Riverside area. Okay. So not, it's not too that far. far from us. No, it's a little bit inland. So the 2020 special is called House of Horrors, just to give you a little foreshadowing of what mm, we're going to be boy. talking about. Um, it's a really good documentary, and I suggest everybody watch it because you get to see the children, like um, some of the children talk about this. So I'm going to start here. This is where the documentary starts as well. But this was also kind of recent. So this was in 2018 on January 14th. A deputy responds to a call at the end of his night shift. Um, So it's like pretty early in the morning. I don't know exactly what time, like maybe four or five, like right before it's about to get light outside. Mm -hmm. He pulls up to a very nervous, like 17-year-old girl, and she's standing on a suburban neighborhood street corner in the early hours. Like I said, like maybe four or five. And she called the police, you said? Well, okay. I'll get, I'll get. Sorry. (laughs) Jumping the gun. I'm like, was it the parents? Did (laughs) they do something? Yeah. Um, So this girl, who was still on the line with 911, when he like pulled up, she was talking to a dispatcher, tells the officer she ran away from home to get help because her parents were very abusive. She also tells the officer that she has two little sisters who were currently chained up to their beds and needed help. Oh, so the cop is like a little suspicious, and in the documentary you can see what's called body cam footage. Yeah, of her talking to him. <gasps> Gosh, and she's like very nervous, and the way that she's talking is just different. Like the way that she's communicating with him, you would not think she was seventeen years old. You would think she was maybe like thirteen or younger. Wow. Like just with the way that she's talking. So, the cop asks her some more questions just to get clarification before he's like okay, is this girl okay? Like, is she being serious? Obviously sometimes, because he responded to like a runaway call kind of thing where he was like, most of the time you go get the kid and you bring them back home and everything's fine and Mm -hmm. you just like reconcile. Um, So he's like asking her some more questions. Like he asked her, are you on any medications? And she's like, what's medication? And he's like, like medicine. And you can like see her. And she's like, she's like, what's medicine? And he's like, do you take any pills? Like, are you on any pills? Maybe being like, are you? You know, did you miss some pills? Because she's just like out in the middle of nowhere, kind of right. You know, maybe she, the way that she's acting, very like skittish, nervous. Yes, skittish is a good word. And he, she's like, oh no, 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 I don't take pills. And you can hear her on the dis um, on the nine one call earlier talking to the dispatcher, who also kind of asked her the same question, like, do you take medication? And she's like, medication. And she's like, do you take you know whatever? And she's like, oh, sometimes I take like I take robitussin or something. Like when I'm sick. So she does not understand what medication really is. right? Um, So he's like starting to be like, what is going up? on? Yeah. So the officer asks if she has any proof that her sisters are chained up at their house. Um, and she says, yes, I do. And she's like, again, in the footage, it's just so interesting to watch. She's like, yes, I do. She's like breathing heavy, but she's also being very almost polite. Like she has this planned out. Like she's like, I'm ready to talk to you. Like, gosh. She's like, yes, I do. She's like pulling up her phone. Um, she pulls up photos on a phone of two very thin young girls. I don't know exactly their ages. So she has a phone. She has a phone with her at this time. Okay. And they're chained to their beds. Um, so they have like shackles around their wrists. You are kidding. And she is explaining it to the officer and she doesn't know what the word bruise is. So she's trying to show him like, you see, this is where um, it makes in on them. Like that's what mm-hmm. she's saying, Like, but it's like a bruise. So it's just very strange. Very odd vibes. And this is pretty much the officer, this is pretty much all the officer needs because at this point he has proof that there's children in danger. So he calls for backup and, you know, to come check out the situation to go back to the house. And this girl, her name is Jordan Turpin. She's 17 at this time. She's very, very thin. Doesn't sound like a 17 year old girl, like has a very limited vocabulary, as I described. Doesn't know what certain words mean. She's the eighth child out of 13 Turpin children. So there's 13 kids from the Turpin parents. So kind of rewinding, that night, Jordan, her older sister, who was 29 at the time, had devised a plan for her to escape out of her house. And mind you, this is in a a regular suburban neighborhood in Paris, California. So it's not like amazing houses, but on the outside, it's just like nice houses. houses. Yeah. So they devised this plan to escape the house. Jordan was going to use one of their older siblings' phones because she didn't have a phone. She wasn't allowed to have a phone. But some of the older, sis, uh, the older siblings had, like, earned trust of the parents. And so they had phones. So she had gotten hold of one of their older brother's phones, I think, and called the cops. And that was part of the plan. And then essentially, like, rescue their little sisters who were chained up. Like, they, at this point, Jordan was saying, in the interview, they're talking to Jordan and the 29-year-old sister. Hmm. So Jordan and Jennifer are the ones talking to the interviewer basically okay. this whole time. So you can see them and, and hear them talk. And even in the interview. And this, this is later. Is, yeah, this has been like four years now. This is the first time they've ever talk, like done an interview. They still, the way that they talk, you can tell that their vocabulary is like kind of limited. Mm. And their social skills are just like a little bit behind. So like I said, they were, had, they had devised this plan because their sisters were chained up and they were kind of like at wit's end. Like we've got to, we've got to get help. This is too much. They were hearing their sisters cry at night and they're like, I'm done. Like I'm done with this. Hold on. And all sorry if you're going to get to this, but mm-hmm. do all 13 kids live at home? Um, I don't actually know for sure if they all live at home. I'm almost positive because Jennifer was the oldest and she was 29. So they had kids from 29 years old to two years old, okay. 13 in between then. But, um, and I'll get to this in a little bit, but I'll just say it now, is a lot of the kids to this day, like, they want to maintain their privacy. So, Jordan mm-hmm. and um, Jennifer are really the only ones who, like, have their name and, like, age and everything out there. Gotcha. So, Jennifer, who was the oldest one, was like, you have to take pictures because they're going to ask for proof. Like, we need proof. They had planned this whole thing. She drew, she kind Jennifer at this point kind of knew the neighborhood. Jordan did not because these kids were not allowed to leave their house ever. Oh. They are basically, like, prisoners in their own home. So, Jordan didn't know at this time, like, what... Literally what the outside world was yeah, like. Yeah, what the outside world was like. So, her sister draws <sighs> a map, like, a like on a piece of paper, like, go here, turn here, you know, go down this street and wait here, whatever. And so, she takes the photos. She asks her little sister, like, can I take photos so I can show the police? The little sister's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and she leaves and she, like, sneaks out. And there's footage, I think, from, like, a ring camera from across the street and you can see Jordan. She's like climbs out the window and she, you can see her like running down the street. Gosh. And I have chills. Yeah. So she's terrified. She's talking. She's like, I was absolutely terrified because I knew if my parents found me before the cops did, like they would kill me. So she's like, but I knew that I had to like do this or die trying pretty much. So when she left out her window, she called the 911 and she said she was so nervous because it was the first time she'd ever spoken to anybody on the phone before. Oh. And she never really like talked to an adult one-on-one besides like obviously her parents. And she told the dispatcher everything. You can hear the 911 call in the documentary. She's like, my she says, my parents were are abusing. Like she doesn't say abusive. She says like, my parents are abusing. They abuse us. She says like her and her siblings live in horrible conditions. She's like, it's filth. I wake up and I can't breathe. We're not allowed to bathe. And the dispatcher is like, when was the last time we had a bath? And she's like, probably almost a year ago. And... Again, she asked her like, do you take medication? She's like, oh, what? Like, what's medication? Like, I'm sorry. And and on the phone, she's like being very polite as well. She's like, I'm sorry. Like, uh, can you repeat that? She has her address written on a piece of paper. And the, and the dispatcher asked her like, we need your address. Can you send us your address? And she reads off the zip code, like 10 numbers. And the dispatcher is like, that's like not an address. Can you, you know, read me a name or something? She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, hold on, I have it somewhere in in here in her backpack. Like she's like on a mission. Oh, I'm terrified. I'm like, oh, speechless. (laughs) Yeah, it's, she seems so brave in this video. Like she's unbelievable. Like when she's talking about it because she's, you can tell she's terrified and so nervous, but she's also just like, I got to get through this. So yeah, she says she like wakes up someday. She can't even breathe because there's so much filth and like disgusting stuff in the house that her parents physically abuse them, that they like pull her hair, that they throw her across the room. And... Um, She explains how, again, she was so nervous to talk to the dispatcher because she'd never talked on the phone before. She was walking on the street, she says, because she didn't even know what a sidewalk was. So she was like, I was just walking in the middle of the street, like of our neighborhood. I didn't even know like the sidewalk was where you're supposed to walk because she never went outside. I'm speechless. She also says she was terrified again because she knew if her parents caught her, like while she was in the neighborhood, that her parents would kill her before whatever. She said, I was even scared that when the cops were with me, If they saw me, they would still kill me. They wouldn't care if cops were in front of them. Again, she just doesn't really like, she's terrified of them. So this is a quote from her. She says, I was always terrified that if I called the cops or tried to escape, I would get caught and and then I knew I would die if I got caught. But at the end, when I saw all my younger siblings, I knew that's what I had to do. That was my only chance. I think it was us coming so close to death so many times. If something happened to me, at least I died trying. Oh my God. So she like waited for this officer on the corner of the street while she's on the phone with the dispatch, the dispatcher. And then that's where the story kind of backs up to where I left off when the officer's there and he's asking her and he, she shows the pictures. So she gets in the car with the officer. The officer's so sweet. Like in the documentary, he's like, I just wanted to show her that like people are good because she just didn't know like adults. So he had seen like, she had the singing video on her phone. He's like, can I listen to this? Like. And she's like, yeah. So he listens to her singing. He's like, this is beautiful. Like, this is such a great video. And i um, just trying to calm her down just to be like, I just wanted to show her like there's nice people Aww. and there's good in the world still. Anyway, so they don't need a warrant. So the backup comes because they have evidence. Yeah. They have evidence that a child's in danger. So they go, it's light now and they have body cam footage of this as well. They <gasps> knock on the door and the parents open the door two minutes later. So I don't know if they weren't allowed to like barge in or if they were just trying to make it seem less like suspicious. But um, the parents come out, Mr. and Mrs. Turpin. And they're like, what's going on? Can I help you guys? And the mom looks terrified. Like she has like huge eyes and she's just like, what's going on officers? Like we were in bed. Like what's up? The Officers are kind of acting cool. They're like, hey, we're just doing a welfare check. Like we got a call that maybe some kids were in trouble or like in harm. And they're like, who called? And they're like, oh, just like they're not like really saying, yeah. oh, your daughter Jordan, right. like whatever, because they, had, I don't think they know that she's missing at this mm. point. And so the parents are still not moving aside. They're like just kind of asking questions, just standing from the doorway, and then the officers kind of just like push past them.
1: That must be the most terrifying feeling for them, knowing what's inside, what's inside, and that the
0: officers are going to see that. Yeah. So apparently, within the two minutes that they were not answering, they were trying to unlock the children. Like they knew the police were out there. They just, they weren't in bed. They were like trying to unchain the children. Cause the officers, again, like push past them and they're like, we're just gonna look like still kind of trying to act cool, but they walk into the house of horrors, basically. So it's oh. it's like an episode of hoarders. Do they show the house? Mm-hmm. Wow. I want to watch this documentary. So yeah. Loud. It's like an episode of hoarders, but like way, way worse, you know, where it's mm-hmm. just like, no, you can't see the floor there's like food everywhere. There's clothes everywhere. There's just like filth. And they cannot clean that up in two minutes. Like they can do their best, but it's like, you cannot. The parents were like, we're packing because we're moving. No. (laughs) There's just no way. And like, when you see the house, you're just like, this is not moving. If so, where did you keep all the stuff? Like, what do you mean? So there's piles of trash everywhere. There's rotting food. And like all of the children are just emaciated, like so, so skinny. So they go into, um, they're like, can we go look in the rooms? And then one of the officers like distracting the parents while the other officer goes in to find the kids so he can kind of like talk to them alone. And, you know, Um, he goes in and he sees the girls that were chained up, but they're not chained up anymore. But they do have bruises. And he's like, can I see your wrist? And like they show. And he's like, where are the chains? Like, can you guys show me the chains? But they can't find them. And then they're like looking around at other bedrooms. And like all the other kids are just kind of like sitting there. Again. No, like probably shook to their core that people are in the house. Right. Especially cops. And, and I'm sure their parents have instructed them in yes. some way to keep quiet or oh, don't tell sure. or you're going to get killed, something. For sure. Because they, at this point, so mind you, the oldest is 29 at this point and the youngest is is two. Oh my gosh. And their whole life has been this, where they, and I'll get into that like those details in a second, but they go into a bedroom and they find a boy And he actually is chained up to his bed. Oh. So they're like, where's the keys? Like, and at that point they can arrest the parents because there's a child literally chained up to his bed. And then they find the shackles in the closet of the girl's room. So they're like, okay, you're you're done. done." (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you're done. (laughs) They arrest the parents. They take all the kids like straight to the hospital. And the hospital reports are like, these kids' development is so bad like they're so malnourished. Some of the kids had could barely walk. They were like so faint. They hadn't eaten. Like they just were not properly nourished their entire life, basically. So so sad. So basically it comes out that these parents had abusing their been abusing their kids since they're born. Yeah. Since the day that the first one was born basically. They had gotten married in high school and their names are David and Luis Turpin, by the way. They'd gotten married in high school and they Apparently, had told people—because you're like, okay, my biggest question, I'm like, you obviously weren't planning on taking care of your kids. Why did you have 13 yeah, of them? Yeah, that's my question. And they had told people after they got married, like, God wants us to produce as many children as possible. So. Not another one of the freaking— no. It's oh just like, gosh. okay, well, I'm sure he wanted you to take care of them as yeah. well. So it comes out about all this abuse. Jennifer and Jordan in the documentary, obviously like talk about certain instances where they had, um, the mom would actually buy food, good food, like frozen food. Like they were not, the dad was an engineer. So it's not like they were also like living, you know, where they had no money and right. the parents were not malnourished. Like the parents had food in the fridge. Um, the reason the girls had been chained up is because they stole their mom's food. So they would like, give their kids maybe peanut butter and jelly once a day. Or, you know, it depended on the time of, you know, their lives. But Like not even a sandwich. You're just saying straight up. Just that, yeah. Yeah. And again, wouldn't let them, like, that's mom and dad's food. Like, that's not your food. If you steal it, you're in trouble. Like, we're going to punish you for it, basically. They would use the Bible to, like, say, like, we can do whatever we want to you. Like, we could kill you if we want. Basically, like, manipulating them, like, you know using specific oh, verses out of context my gosh yeah there's like a video of um david and louise and they're renewing their vows and they're at like this in vegas and they're like there's this elvis you know impersonator that's renewing their vows for them and all of the kids come out and they're so skinny like all of their arms are so skinny and they all look so happy and they're dancing And when Jennifer sees a picture of this, like, in the documentary, she, like, starts tearing up because she was just, like, I was so mad at my parents all the time because I'm, like, that day we got a bath and we got to, like, get dressed up and we got to go out. And she was just, like, it was so fake. I just knew it was so fake that they wanted everyone to see. They would post on Facebook, like, pictures of all their kids. And she's just, like, that's not the happy family we are. (sighs) So they would, like— For special occasions, maybe take them out, but it was very rare. Yeah. And Jordan was saying, so the younger one, she was the eighth child. She was like, those were the best days. Like we would get dressed up, we would go out, but then the parents would instruct them like, this is what grade you guys say you are. Because mind you, they didn't go to school. Jennifer went to school till she was in third grade. And then um, they took them out of school. So to homeschool them, but they never gave them any education. Like, you know, it's bad when kids want to be educated. Yeah. Like, you know, when kids want to learn, they would not teach them anything. So the kids were like on record, but they just were homeschooled? Yeah. So basically they were saying the main way that kids are reported to CPS or whatever, like for abuse, is from their teachers. Mm -hmm. So they were like, they, the dad had on record that he was the principal of their homeschool and the mom was the teacher, but they never taught. Like, In the 911 call to the cops, Jordan said, my mom doesn't like us very much. She like never spends time with us. She doesn't like to be around us. And she's supposed to be her teacher. And so they would, Jordan was saying, sometimes I would get like a phone. I would get access to a phone. I was not allowed to have a phone. But like my older siblings, like I said, they would start getting like trusting them to punish the other kids and (sighs) to keep them in line. And she said she would watch like Justin Bieber videos And she was like, Justin Bieber was like my main (laughs) inspiration. Like I would see him with his friends and he was living a normal life. He would talk about how he was sad. He would sing. He would be, you know, just a normal guy. And she was like, it made me be like, there's a world out there that's good. That's fun. Like, I want that life. Like I want a fun life. That is heartbreaking. They could not leave the house. They would like put their head out the window when the parents were gone to like feel the breeze. That's why she didn't know what, like, sidewalks were or anything. She oh, said— Oh, my gosh. I cannot believe this. No. Oh, they, what is the point of this? No. They would physically abuse them, obviously. Like, Jennifer said at sometimes like, she would go ask her mom a question. She's like, I just didn't know which mom I would get if, like, she would answer my question or she would, like, throw me down the stairs or something. Like, oh. And the other part that's so horrible is, like, not only did the dad, like, beat them and stuff, like, as punishment and the mom, but— they also would make the older kids punish the younger kids. So they at one point had cages for the kids that they would say, you either have to go in this cage or you have to put like your little sibling in your cage. So then they're like feeling guilty if they do put their little sibling in there instead. You know, like later down the road now they're like- That is so disturbing and creates such horrible- Oh my gosh, how can these kids ever recover? No. So, and again, mind you, they're getting no education. Like they- They were even saying, we don't even know what our other siblings went through, really. Like, yeah, we're like, we know, kind of, but we don't know exactly what they've been through because of, like, just all the different abuse. Like, again, cages. There was one point where the parents literally moved into a motel, left their kids in a trailer, would drop off groceries once a week. And obviously for 13 kids, it's like... Not enough. Not enough. So she would say, like, we had to find food. So we would eat, like, ice cubes with ketchup or mustard as their food. It's just disgusting. So, no, that they would do that. And while the parents were living in a motel, they were like partying, like posting photos, like out at bars, just like disgusting. So they also would wear the same clothes, make them wear the same clothes every day. But the weird part is the mom would buy children's toys, new children's clothes, like collectible items, like collectible Monopoly games. But they were mom's toys, they were mom's clothes. So they could not wear them. So they would, like, go through and show, like, a closet full of kids' toys with tags still on them. But the kids would be wearing the same, like, filthy clothes every single day. I'm... No. I'm speechless. Yeah. So um, this all came out, basically. The Durbin parents obviously were arrested for severe child maltreatment and charged with 14 felony accounts, including 12 counts of torture and false imprisonment nine counts of child abuse, and seven counts of cruelty to a dependable adult. Um, they pled guilty to all the charges in 2019, and then they were sentenced to life imprisonment with the possibility of chance of parole after 25 years. Yeah, they better be in life. They're yeah. in prison for life. And they're like crying at the trial, like, I'm so sorry to my kids. And no. it's just like- We don't feel bad for you at all. And you can say sorry, but that doesn't do anything. Like you've, you completely, Jennifer, the oldest was saying, now she's, I think 33 in the interview, she's 33. And she's just like, I don't really want to see them ever again. Like they can say sorry, but I don't believe them. Like they're, and also if they did give me an apology, I know that they're so manipulative, so I can't believe them.
1: No, that is absolutely disgusting. No. Do they ever have a reason for what they did? Or they're just like, we just... What th- What possible reason is there? I have no clue. Other than just wanting
0: power and authority and being yeah. sick in the head. I have no clue. It's so sad. Jordan and Jennifer are like pretty much, like I said, the only ones who are public now. So Jennifer is the 33-year-old. She's the oldest. And she's like, I want to have a family. Like, I want to get married. I want to live a normal life. But she was also the oldest. So like, this didn't stop for her until she was 29 years old. And also it's like, at this point, they don't know how to handle money. They don't know how to do math. They don't like know these basic things of like how to live a normal life. And a whole nother thing that I like is really sad that they talk about in the documentary is like, they basically were just thrown into the system after that. So all, there's 13 kids. Like, some of them were thrown to extended foster care, you know, mm-hmm. when you're past 18. But then some of them, like, ended up just, like, really not knowing what to do. Didn't know how to handle their money. Didn't know, like, ended up in really bad areas with just, like, whatever. Because Cause they're So just, they got
1: separated? Like, all the kids got separated? I think just,
0: like, the older ones did. I don't know specifics. I don't think they can, like, tell you that, really. Mm-hmm. But... They, I think, are working on a case. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, of trying to figure out why these kids weren't taking better care of. Because like lots of people donated to them once they heard the story. Because the story broke loose. Like you're saying, why they're not being better taken care of now? Yeah, now, huh. like within the system of like foster you know, care and everything. Yeah, and all that stuff. And there was people like assigned to their case that they're like, okay, you did not do a good job. Like you're supposed to make sure these kids had all the information they needed to know to go to school, to like get enrolled in these things and you didn't help them. So just like constant, they just like can't catch a break, which is just so sad. But most of them, like I said, are private. Um, Mm -hmm. They want to keep their identity private for like anonymous reasons. So yeah, definitely. Jordan, the girl who called the cops, the 17 year old, Mm -hmm. she's 21, 22 now. She has a TikTok and she's (gasps) the cutest -uh. girl ever. Like, I'll show you her TikTok. Um, it's I think it's Beth underscore B underscore twenty. I need to double check on that, but she it, her is name is Jordan Turpin on on TikTok. I'm sure you can find it if you want to. But but her username is Beth B. Yeah, because I think her middle name is Elizabeth. Oh, okay, so she does like TikTok dances, and oh, she like wants to be a singer and like go off queen. She's like made for stardom. I'm like she needs to be like a star because <laughs> she's just like. First of all, she's stunning. Like she is so stunning. Her and her sister are so pretty and just so kind-hearted and like so sweet. And now the If one person leaves her a TikTok hate comment, no, her, no, I will no. come for their neck. This is where I'm proud of the TikTok community because they, her comment section is so nice and wholesome. Like okay, they're good. like, we need to make you rich and famous. Literally, Like we need to, you know, like you're stunning today. I love your scarf. Like, you know, <sighs> um, she's so sweet. And then Jennifer wants to be a singer. She loves like Kelly Clarkson and she wants to like inspire people the way, you know, music has inspired her throughout her life. So Aww. they're just like the most wholesome souls just went through absolute, hell, literally a house of horror for I their entire life. I have heard lives. anything like that. No, it's absolutely insane. So yeah. that's the story. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that
1: is absolutely wild. I yeah. need to go support our girl on TikTok. I really want to watch that documentary. That's really yeah. interesting. They made a documentary out of my... Um, not my case, goodbye, but the case I just read mm-hmm. or something, but like not a documentary actually like uh, show like based on true events, but it got like really bad reviews. Oh, so really? I was going to watch it and I was like, that might just ruin, ruin it. it. And it's not even a documentary of like real
0: yeah. events. It was just, there is anyway. another documentary I think on Hulu called like the Turpin house or something, but this 2021 is the one where they actually, Jordan and Jennifer are talking and okay. they're explaining. It's yeah. really good.
1: Yeah. I'm very interested by that. Wow. Well, hope you guys enjoyed Even though this is a little bit of a downer episode, yeah. hopefully you guys still were, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Informed? Yeah. And hope it doesn't give you bad vibes for yeah. the rest of the day. Yeah. Maybe it'll make you into true crime again. Like yeah. It's made me, it really is so interesting to hear these things. Because it just seems so far out of this world. Yeah. But it's just so interesting. Crazy. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week with the- Next year. Next year, in fact, with a nice, uplifting, um, (laughs) motivational, great episode. So Mm I can't wait for you guys to hear that. Make sure you go and follow our Instagram. It's at what we said podcast. If you guys want to be updated on anything we got coming up, um, we love you guys. And that's That's what what we said. said. Bye.